We teach people these modalities as foundational modalities to help them really get their, their mind and their body activated so that they can actually be in a position to bring the energy necessary to be able to make the income and the impact that they possibly can. Wow. And I'll just share with you a simple formula. You know, energy equals time and time equals money. And so we want to work on our energy so that our time is spent correctly and we have the most energy that we can bring to the time. And if we bring our, if we spend our time correctly and have great yeah. energy during our time, we will by default make money. We are super excited to have you here, Ryan. And, um, you know, we were over here shooting off our, our money, money guns. And when the commercial break was going, I said, you know, Ryan's no stranger to these. He's, he's, uh, he's probably made a few of these. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you've been, you've had a very, very successful journey, but one of the things that um, I was watching a video and kind of getting to know your story a little bit, Ryan, and I, I really want to dive into to how you grew up because I have a very, very similar journey um, in my childhood. And so I, I would like for you to maybe share with the audience and, and let's start there. Um, what was it like for you, you know, as a teenager growing up, it said, I heard, I heard in the in the uh, promo video, it said you were in a gang and things like that. Can you talk to us about your story and your journey uh, growing up? Yeah, absolutely. My, you know, my early childhood uh, wasn't that bad. My dad was in the middle class and my mom was a homemaker. Uh, but both of them, you know, they had, they had self-medication challenges that turned into addiction. My dad was an engineer and, you know, and we... We did all right. We had nice presents underneath the Christmas tree. I had new clothes come school year. But when drug addiction took over my family, it disintegrated. And by the time I was 13, you know, I was faced with a father that was violent, abusive, and he had gotten so addicted to drugs that we lost our house, we lost our car, mm. we lost everything. So my middle class environment was ripped away from me. And so as a young child, I saw what looked like a very sheltered environment turn into a destructive environment into a violent environment by the time i was 13 i was hanging around the wrong kids i had lost my father he disappeared on us my mother was suffering from alcoholism and so i turned to the streets and i turned to the mentors on the streets which were older men involved in gangs that mm. was the only protection that i could receive so i you know i was in and out of juvenile hall i was in and out of trouble and I was raised by, you know, my grandmother really had a strong influence on me in my life. And she taught me to be very spiritual. She was a Christian. And so she taught me to pray and she taught me Christian values. And I strayed from them, you know, as a, as a teenager. And, you know, by the time I was 17 years old, I was heading to prison. And mm. by the grace of God, I had persuaded a judge through writing him a letter. And I wrote a letter begging for leniency. I was facing four years for robbery, for armed robbery. And I was facing four years and I wrote the judge a letter and he told me that I should be writing in college, not in prison. And he granted me leniency under the conditions that I would you know, get counseling and that I would never come back before him. Oh I made a gosh. decision at that point after lots of prayer, I was in solitary confinement writing this letter. So you know, I was praying for 20 days straight that I would somehow change my situation and not have to spend you know, the next four years or potentially the rest of my life inside prison. And the judge granted me that leniency. And that's when my faith was renewed. And I made a decision that I was going to leave the gang environment. Mm. And I was going to somehow write my way into college. 
Now at that time I was in a continuation high school and I was terrible at school. I had terrible grades. I was never considered, you know, strong uh, intellectually or academically. And somehow, you know, I, I made the decision to write my way into college. And by the grace of God, a mentor came into my life at 17 years old. And next thing you know, I was writing my way in, into college. And, wow. and then from there, I wrote my way into being an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur and wow. went into a millionaire and so forth. Right. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Man, so I'm going to give a mic drop. Grace upon grace upon grace. Yeah, I'm right? going to give a mic drop for, uh, for the judge. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and for grace and for the blessings of God. Um, but I want to just share with you, um, my journey is very, very similar. I, I feel like you're like my brother or something. It's crazy. So when my parents split up, um, I stayed with my mom. My mom got addicted to drugs and um, was an alcoholic and was drinking. And uh, my house became like a homeless shelter um, mm. because she was disabled. And so we had a lot of male influences coming in and out of the house. A lot of people that were, um, you know, in gangs, doing uh, a lot of criminal activities. And these were my uh, male role models. And at 13, I was in and out of juvie. And I was um, told that if I, w if I didn't move to my father's, that I was going to be in jail until I was 21. Okay. And this was as I was uh, 15 at the time. I was 15 and they told me I was going to be in jail until I was 21 if I didn't move to my father's. And because I moved to my father, my father was an entrepreneur, a business owner. He taught me how to work and save and, and, um, you know, he was a faithful man. And, and, uh, anyway, so I just, I relate so much to your story. I, I got, um, when I was with my mom, we got evicted out of the house multiple times. And there were times where I stayed with my grandmother and my grandmother raised me up and I just love my grandmother so much. Um, so anyways, I, I thought I would share that with you. There's just so many um, similarities. Um, wow. So so what happened after that? What happened after that? Well, my, my first mentor was a successful real estate entrepreneur and he gave me a job as his boy Friday, which meant that I had to do everything he didn't want to do. His, his mindset was that he made, you know, millions a year. So his time was valued at $1,000 an hour. And my time was valued at that time at $6 an hour. And so I got to do everything that he didn't want to do. I got to clean the barnacles off of his boat. I got to sand <laughs> his deck. I got to clean his, he had this beautiful bird atrium. I got to clean up the poop in the bird atrium. He had this beautiful saltwater tank. I got to clean the algae off the saltwater tank. And one of the other jobs I got to do was to evict people from his homes. Oh, he owned wow. over a hundred homes. So I was the one knocking on the door, telling them that they had to pay their rent or they had to get out. And so I, I got to see his business from the inside out. And for the first time in my life, my, even though my dad did provide early on in my life, he had a lot of, of, of emotional challenges because of the way he was raised. And he carried those forward into the way he raised me. And it was unfortunate because he was always, you know, a, a closed off individual and he was always had a very hard heart and he was a very violent person. Mm. But my mentor was not. He was a loving, charismatic, uh, beautiful soul. He would teach me at the dinner table every night and he would just, you know, I'd ask him a thousand questions about what he did and how he did it. Because like to me, my dad had owned a home, so I, I understood the importance of home ownership. But this man had owned a hundred homes. Wow. 
So I was like, there, like everything that I'd been taught about the American dream of owning one home, like I didn't think you could ever one day own a hundred homes. All right. <laughs> and so, you know, really being able to be mentored by a man who had done something that I didn't understand was even possible changed my life, you know, forever. How did you meet him? He later him? became my stepfather because he married my mother. So oh, no way. So a very oh, wow. intimate relationship wow. with him. How did you yeah. originally meet him? How did you, like, come in connection with this guy? Yeah, he, he wanted to date my mom. Okay. And, uh, uh, <laughs> That'll I do was, it. I was my mom's protector. Oh, okay. And so he needed permission for me to date my mom. And, you know, he was a small guy. I was a big guy. And, you know, he was small. Uh, you know, very uh, charismatic. He wore bright colored ties and shirts. And you know, I was a gang member. I wore a gang uniform. And so I sized him up and I was like, this guy wants to date my mom? No problem. I, I hope somehow I get rich from this experience. And while he was very stringent when it came to giving me money, he didn't give me money. He made me earn every penny. He gave me wisdom that would later make me rich. Wow. wow. Well, hey, mic drop for for him as well. Yeah. What's oh, his yeah, name? Yeah. What's his name? <clears throat> his name is Robert Hunt. He's no longer with us. He's with me spiritually, and you know he's uh, one of the most powerful mentors in my life. And he opened me up once I got to experience him and the way he operated in his wealth. I then got hungry for other mentors, and I've been blessed to be mentored by some of the greatest mentors of our time and our generation and for all generations for that matter. And so, you know, Robert Hunt was my very first. And then from there I said, well, if this mentor taught me this much, I wonder what would happen if I got another mentor and another mentor. So what are some of the, <clears throat> the lessons that you learned or things that you took away from, you know, coming from even poverty, right? Uh, yeah. from a place of low means to being around people with money. Well, they're no different than you. They just, they just have a different system. You know, when I would size them up, you know, because that's what we did on the streets is we sized people <laughs> up, right? I used to size up, you know, other gang members to determine whether or not I was going to get killed or, you know, I was going to win in a fight or lose in a fight. And I'm sizing up these rich people and I'm like, they're no smarter than me. They're no better than me. Mm -hmm. You know, I had an attitude and a chip on my shoulder. They just have something that I don't have. There's some sort of gap that this person has that I want to fill. Mm -hmm. And so I was probably pretty annoying with these folks at first because I was like, whatever it is that you have in your head that I don't, because I could run faster than them. I could lift more weights than them. You know, I could do all kinds of things that they couldn't do. But, you know, I didn't know how to buy 100 homes. And so I had to extract the information from them that was necessary to learn how to buy 100 homes, for example, or whatever the task was at hand. So I, you know, I, I learned that, that they, weren't, they weren't that much different than us. They were maybe 1% different. So I got a question for you. You said you had an attitude and a chip on your shoulder, okay? I, I had that too, right? I had a lot of the kind of victim mentality. I, that's why I was violent. I got in a lot of fights and that's, that's what got me in the trouble and what landed me in juvie and all that was, was fighting. And um, what was it the same for you? Is that like you were just was there just an anger inside of you? And, and if so, what caused it? And how did you overcome that anger and, and get rid of the victim mentality? Yeah, well, I, I was trained to be angry. Mm. I was trained to oh. be rageful. My father was very rageful mm, okay. and very violent. I've, I've broken my hand five times in fights. Oh, uh, wow. could, I don't know if you could see it. There's a big thing there. I've had all <laughs> kinds of wounds on me and scars on me, I should say. No more wounds, but lots of scars. Um, and my dad taught me to punch first, and he taught me to solve everything through physical violence. That mm. was 
the way I was raised and trained and programmed from an early age. So, you know, when, then when you take a, a child who's been abused and neglected and abandoned, uh, you know, it's a perfect environment, a person who's highly trained in fighting and in martial arts at a young age and then, you know, sent into the world. And uh, I was picked on because, I, you know, I, I was, um, you know, I, I stood out like a sore thumb. I was in a, an ethnic environment that I wasn't a part of. I was taken mm. from, you know, the middle class and thrown into poverty. And so I had to fight my way to prove myself and fight my way to protect myself nonstop. And one year I got in something like 50 fights and I would count them. And it was almost as though I was a professional fighter for a period of time and that that was what I looked forward to. That's what I trained for. And, and you know, and that's what they would put me into fights. They would, they would, you know, try to set up fights for me because, you know, I was, I was decent at it and you know I, I lost a few and I broke some teeth and some nose and <laughs> some bones in the process but you know I, I had a, a pretty strong will so you know that that was the chip that I had on my shoulder was you know I, I had a pretty strong sense of confidence in my physical capability and my fighting capability but I had a very low self-esteem when it came to you know knowing who I was and mm. and and really understanding the value that I could potentially bring to the world. I, I saw myself as, you know, a poor kid that was abandoned and neglected. How did I shift from a, you know, victim mentality? Yeah, yeah that right you there, know, that right there. Cause you said you saw yourself as a poor kid who was neglected and abandoned. Like that's the way you viewed yourself. How did you overcome that victim mentality? Well, I, at first it was, I was just going to prove to everyone in the world that I was not that. Like, so at first I had, this massive desire to prove first my father wrong, then every principal that had expelled me, every teacher that had, um, you know, uh, said I was, you know, I was inferior or, or, you know, said I couldn't amount to anything. Then, you know, every police officer that ever, you know, had some terrible words to share with me, like <laughs> I, I wanted to prove the world wrong. And, and then every time I showed up to a meeting and, you know, somebody would judge me or, criticize me you know i i didn't i was triggered on the inside on the outside i would just smile but on the inside i would say you know great i have a new person to prove wrong so that was the first journey of of several years and that competitiveness in me led me to yeah. you know to really push myself wow yeah so, so I, I i can relate to that too because i started once i started i found something i was good at I started winning and I got super, you know how competitive I am. Like I'm so competitive. Like I just wanted to prove I, that I had some kind of self-worth, you know, I'm like, I got to prove it, you know? And I, and it's like, I got to get the trophy. Like I'm all about the trophy. And I've, uh, I've learned oh, that, is. right. You know, <laughs> oh, like my office is just full of trophies and I'm like, I got to win. Like, so well, I love that. My, my question, Ryan, is <clears throat> you said that you had grown up and you know had some faith exposure right in a christian home um your grandmother right yeah. so i imagine that that had a pretty big role in you know kind of bringing you back right to from from maybe some of those i don't know if you call them depths but you know some of those tribulations um when did you realize and kind of come back to that right get back to your faith um, and, and realize that there were people out there that were praying for you, right? That there were people that cared about you and, and you turned that corner. You know, I, I have to tell you that I've had some divine interventions in my life 
and I just didn't understand it. I have prayed many a times in my youth, like I prayed for the judge to give me leniency. I, you know, prayed to get out of situations. I prayed to not get caught. I, you know, I, I prayed my way to, you know, out of trouble, and then I prayed my way into success every step of the way. But I still didn't really understand it. My consciousness level didn't really get that, you know, that, that, that God was by my side. I, I think I would pray, I would get the prayer answered, and then I would believe the lies that were told, or I would believe that maybe this is just coincidence, or, or believe that this was me doing all this stuff. And, you know, I failed to realize the grace and the presence of our Creator in, in, in my life. Mm. Um, I, I became very present Amen. to that when my mother passed away. And that's, you know, that's literally when my life changed. And that was four years ago when I looked back at my life and did a life review and I saw all the prayers that had been answered and I saw the grace that, you know, God had given me in my life. And, and that was four years ago, uh, pretty much to the date that my life changed, you know, completely. Hmm. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's that's just, you know, such a, a journey for somebody to go through and it's trial by fire, right? Yeah. Um, refined by the fire. And so, but to be able to understand and acknowledge that and appreciate it, what a blessing. 100%. Can you talk to us about your book, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain? I say that to my audience all the time. That's a phrase that uh, comes out of my mouth at least once a week. <laughs> what do you got to lose? Uh, yeah, I tell them, you got nothing to lose, everything to gain. Because um, I'm trying to get these job seekers back to work. And, and uh, so, can you talk to us about the book, where that came from, and, and uh, what it's about? Uh, yeah, so Nothing to Lose was a book that was inspired by uh, an interview that I did on Donnie Deutsch. And, you know, when I went back and watched the interview a number of times, I kept telling him I had nothing to lose. And so that, that's the, the title of the book. And that was the mindset that I utilized to build the companies that I built and, and to really, you know, to to have the mindset that I didn't care about what other people were doing. I didn't care about what the competition was doing because I had literally nothing to lose. Mm. Was that book, did you write that prior to uh, your success um, with uh, Vaisalus? Am I yes. saying that right? I, well, I wrote that book in 2010. So Vaisalus had yet to be extremely successful. Uh, but it was getting more successful and uh you know it was actually going through a difficult time and then you know during the recession i wrote it and it got published in 2011 and it just so happened that vaisalus would take off right as it was published you sold the company you you had, you had intent was to sell right to build the company at some point sell it you sold it for not only one of these, but you sold it for seven million of these, right? Seven hundred sixty-two million. That's that's seven million of these. You're trying to do math, bro. I don't know. Right? Seven million one hundred dollar <laughs> bills. A lot of these. That's a lot. I never actually thought of it that way. Uh, you know, uh, I I have definitely uh, generate a lot of, of of revenue and a lot of return to my investors and so forth. That's for sure. What was one of the challenges of, you know, as an entrepreneur? scaling it right because I, I hear a lot of times where you know people they'll they'll hit a kind of a plateau right you get you when you're building a business you get to a certain point and then you face some challenges and then in order to overcome that plateau you have to innovate and you know reinvigorate what you're doing um, did you run into that did you experience that you you run into challenges every single day as an entrepreneur 
You know, entrepreneur is just simply a problem solver. You're solving a problem in the marketplace, and that's the idea of, you know, the business is there to solve a problem. And then in order to effectively solve that problem, you have to solve a ton of problems on the inside of your walls each mm. and every single day. And the better that you get at problem solving and the better that you hire, uh, you know, quality team members that help you solve those problems as well, the more that you can expand and scale the business. But it's basically one problem after another to build a business, right? And you just have to get good at, at looking at the negative and turning it into positive and then learning from the negative as a result. So there's all kinds of challenges yeah, to scaling. I've had tremendous challenges of scaling. And, and in, in the current business that I'm running now at AlterCall, you know, it's a startup. And so it's, you know, two years old with a small team of about 14 people. And every single day, we just have to solve problems. The more that we do that, the, the more, the better the chances that we scale it. Yeah, Boom. man. Boom. Mic drop on that. Number one, that is super applicable applicable to our audience, which is primarily job seekers, right? Because yeah. they are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right. They're, they're running a business, the, uh, the business of search. And number two, right. When you look at, and you're going back to where you've come from and you look at, okay, so how am I going to overcome these challenges? You've got to innovate and you've got to be that entrepreneur. You have to have that entrepreneur mindset. Ryan, can you talk to us about uh, altar call. This is your new mission that you're on right now. And I see your shirt. I love that shirt, by the way. Uh, talk you. to us about where that came from, uh, the mission of the company, what you're doing, and, and where, where did all this stem from with altar call? Well, you know, being raised as a Christian, I'd experienced a few altar calls that were life-changing in the spiritual sense. And it dawned on me that I wanted to create a different type of altar call, one where we help people alter their lives so that they can answer their calling. So where our pastor will call us to the front of the room, I want to call people to go to the inside of their, 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 their room, basically, inside of them, and make the subtle changes that you need to make so that you can answer your calling. So we take people through a process where we help them get their mindset right, their health set right, their soul set right, so that they can be in a position to fulfill their role in, in the world, whether it be to be a great parent, uh, the role to be a great entrepreneur, uh, you know, a, a great team member of a company, but we all carry multiple roles. And so my mission is basically to help people fulfill their mission. I love that. Now it's a, it's a proprietary, right? Uh, proprietary solution that you've developed. And can you tell us a little bit more about how it works and, and yeah. what that's well, I take is? entrepreneurs and executives, you know, through a process. So, you know, we have a, uh, a curriculum that we've built and we have a number of different questions that we ask them when we onboard them. We take them through a process to have them remove the things that are blocking them so that they can literally shine more light in their lives. We, because of my experience, I realize that each of us has a vessel and in that vessel is the cumulative experience, the, the good, the bad, and it's everything. And so we help them remove the things that are, that are basically muddying the vessel so that they can shine more light. And so we're a spiritual community. And, you know, it's, it's filled with entrepreneurs that are faith-based, that are all aligned. And every single person within our community sees their role and the entrepreneurial vehicle that they have as a way for them to make an impact in the world and to tithe more and to give back more. And so my mission is to have thousands of businesses powered by AlterCall that are, you know, doing better in the, the community and, and, you know, solving problems, but also giving back in unique ways that align with their businesses. 
I love that. So it's about, you know, removing some of those weeds, you know, removing some of those things that are uh, roadblocks. Um, now, I, I have a question because I saw in the video, in, in your promo video, it looked like there was some like meditation involved and like things like that. Can you walk us through? Is, is most of your training in person at like retreats and things like that? Or uh, do you have some automation? Is there any courses? Is there stuff yeah. that someone can do uh, away from? Like, talk to us about like a little bit more in depth. Well, the, you know, the, the most uh, intimate ways when we get together in person and we do those uh, retreats about every 90 days. And, you know, okay. as the scripture says, we're two or more gathered. So we get together yes. in prayer and, you know, we go through prayer. We go through meditation. We do some exercises on breath work. We go hiking. We go in the outdoors and we help people get, you know, get a breakthrough in their lives. A mm. moment of awareness or clarity that helps them get to that next level. We're all climbing the ladder of enlightenment and mm. each of us are at different levels and each of us need to overcome certain challenges and gain a certain level of awareness to get to the next step on the ladder. Can Every single one of us is on the exact same journey to be molded after the heart of the creator himself. And it's up to us to determine how fast we want to accelerate mm. that journey. And if we do want to live a life filled with purpose, one where we can, you know, we can uh, make the greatest contribution that we possibly can and live the world better than we found it and actually pass down some wisdom, you know, to our loved ones and to the people that we care about. I'll so my job is to speed people up on that transformational journey and to give them the tools to accelerate it. So getting together in person is the most effective way that I have found to do that. But I also have a weekly Zoom meeting and I do monthly Zoom meetings, you know, with our, our community. So after people attend our experiences, they tend to join us, you know, in our mastermind and some of our other mentoring uh, curriculums. We do have courses uh, and we have some other things that are in the works. We have a course called Transformation Accelerator where we take people through a 90-day journey of transformation and we infuse spiritual principles with business principles. So we're teaching mm -hmm. people how they can grow spiritually and then grow uh, their business as a reflection of their spiritual growth. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to. Uh, I want to go uh, back to what you were talking about, and I'd like to hear your your input and in, insight on the breath work. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think there's a lot to uh, to breath. You know, God spoke. Uh, God, God said, let there be light, right? Um, spoke things into existence and, and it's the, the breath of life. Um, I, I think there's a lot to it. And um, the reason why I'm going here is because what led me to my journey I'm on right now, there was a gentleman that I, was, I met over coffee and he prayed over me. And it was a really bold prayer that maybe might freak some people out, but I was totally like, all right, let's do this. And he was like doing breathing exercises. He was like, and like holding my hand and like telling me to breathe in and out. And like, but that guy changed my life. I'm gonna tell you that right now. It like totally set me on a path. And so I just want to hear your, your input and insight into the breathing element to this whole thing. Uh, what are your, what's your perspective into it? Well, there, there's science to support the concept of breath work. You, there's a number of different ways. We, you, if you're heavy at exercise, you might exercise your, your lungs and, you know, and, and you might have, um, you know, a, a great lung capacity. But if you're not, if you're, if you're not exercising aggressively, you're not utilizing the full capacity of these lungs in this breath of yours. 
And so, you know, God breathes love into you with each breath that you take. And it's our job to be able to fully inhale that breath and be able to fully understand the capacity of the lungs that you've been so gifted to receive. Mm. So the science behind breath work is, you know, it basically opens you up. And we now know that the body stores information, not just in the brain, but it also stores information all around it. And so as you're breathing, you're releasing some of the pains that you're storing, some of the traumas that you're storing, and you're letting go of some of the things that you know, you've held inside. If you're a shallow breather, it's because you've been trained to hold things inside deeply. And so we open you up and help you open up your breath. But there's science to support meditation as well. Some people think meditation is connected to spirituality, and it is mentioned in the Bible. And there's other spiritual um, uh, traditions that also do meditation. But if you just look at the science behind meditation, it really teaches you how to train your attention. And if you train your attention, mm -hmm. if you can meditate on a word or meditate on music or meditate on the bird singing, you're learning to train your attention. And if you train your attention, you can focus and you can concentrate. And if you can concentrate, you can create. But when we can't concentrate, we are distracted. And we are dis when we are distracted, we literally are living in misery. So these modalities that I teach help a person become more focused and more concentrated so that they can become more creative. And so those are the foundational modalities that I utilize. Another one is voice, for example. You know, we have been gifted with these, the, the, the capacity to change the world with our voice. But the muscles that we need to be able to utilize our voice and be able to express our voice are not worked unless we know how to sing. And so I really encourage people to activate their voice. You know, most men are trained to work their biceps more than the most powerful muscle in the history of the world, which is your voice. So we teach people these modalities as foundational modalities to help them really get their, their mind and their body activated so that they can actually be in a position to bring the energy necessary to be able to make the income and the impact that they possibly can. Wow. And I'll just share with you a simple formula. You know, energy equals time and time equals money. Mm. And so we wanna work on our energy so that our time is spent correctly and we have the most energy that we can bring to the time. And if we, bring our, if we spend our time correctly and have great yeah. energy during our time, we will by default make money. Oh that, my gosh, that's, that's a mic drop. Woo, okay. Oh, yeah. Energy equals time, time equals money. So if you want a little extra, <clears throat> you, gotta get your, you gotta get your energy right. That's right. Well, in, in the link, Right. They've, they've done studies all over the place, but, you know, to, to really concentrate on that, the link between the physiological and the psychological and how how related they are. Like, you know, what a incredible thought. I, I've never even thought about that, but the shallow breathing. Right. And, and that's people that are holding things in. It's just the way that that their mind affects their body. Well, and also focus, in both, right? Both what you ways. said about focus, because I, I mean, listen, with with social media and just the way our society is built and set up, it's easy to get distracted, right? Like you'll get into work, you'll be doing something and all of a sudden, ding, you're like, now you're doing something else, right? Like <laughs> it's like easy to get distracted. So um, what maybe, what, what are some other uh, practical things someone can do to help them regain focus in a world that's so busy. Yeah, well, you're, you know, if you think about it, there are literally thousands of scientists 
that are trying to steal your attention right now. Mm. Thousands of scientists that are at Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and the news media, and they're, they're all sitting around saying, how do we steal this human being's attention oh. and sell it to an advertiser? <laughs> and we don't care how we steal it. We'll steal it with endlessly scrolling through videos of nonsense oh. to make a buck off this person. <laughs> so just think about there, there are a billion dollars being spent to steal your attention. You have to know that and you have to fight to get it back. Ooh. And the way that you do that is a thing called restriction. See, a restriction is you saying, I'm going to restrict Instagram and you might even put, as I do, I put a timer on it and so it locks me out. I put a parental <laughs> timer on these apps because I know that there's some forces at work that are much smarter than me at Instagram trying to figure out how to, you know, to, to steal my attention. And this attention is how I fulfill my purpose. Wow. And so restriction goes to not only the things that distract you, but the things that steal your energy as well. So, you know, I know some people that like to drink. I don't personally drink, but if you have too many glasses of wine, it's going to steal your energy. You know, maybe one is fine. I don't, whatever your beliefs are. I, I prefer not to leak my energy out to anything. I don't need to drink caffeine because I restrict caffeine. And because I restrict caffeine, my body knows itself and I can get more rest and I can, you know, mm. I can and have more energy. So I restrict anything that drains my energy. I restrict anything that steals my time. And the more that you add up these micro challenges in your life, the more you will get to a place where you're grounded, you're centered, you're present, and you're able to execute. And that's what, that's what business is all about. It's about execution. I and so restriction is the gateway to execution. I love what you're talking about. And I, I, have, another, I have another question that's kind of a little bit off the wall, maybe a little off topic, but... We were talking about social media is like like they're they got scientists back there trying to figure out how to steal your attention. Right. And I just watched the whole I, I watched the keynote about the metaverse, uh, mm. you know, and, and have you I don't know if you've seen it or if, yeah. if you know much about the metaverse. What are your thoughts on the metaverse? Because I'm like, <laughs> man, they're not only trying to steal our attention. They're trying to put us into this thing. Like, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, spiritually, we live in a video game. It really is like a video game. Spiritually, you get points when you do good. You lose points when you do bad. The more points you get, the more light you have. The more light you have, the more of an impact you can make, right? Like, it, it really feels like a video game. And so all of these companies are just emulating what is happening spiritually to us. So I, I think it's a natural progression for us to try to deeper understand the game of life and by modeling various video games and by us you know, engaging in these games, we're better understanding them. I, I, I think there's some benefits to it, but I also think that with anything, you know, there's a, there's a balcony, meaning there's good, and then there's a basement. And so we have to just be very careful about how we engage in these new tools and technologies that are designed to totally steal our attention. Wow. You know, Mark Zuckerberg has one goal and one goal only, goal only, and that is to steal our attention from us. And this is our most valuable asset. Wow. And so when, when, he's, when he's trying to do something to steal our attention, I have to know, okay, I, I'm gonna you know, inspect this and try to seek the good within it. I'm not gonna discount it altogether because you know, society is changing and there's some value to the way we're changing, but I'm not going to allow him to steal my attention. Wow, balcony or basement. Yeah. Woo, I'm gonna give you a mic drop for that one. Ryan, if you had to start all over again, right? Let's say you, you, you went back to the basement. <laughs> 
What would you do? How would you, how would you do that to get back on top? What would you do? Oh, to get back, well, I, I, if I started all over again, I would have known that God is by my side. Like, if I could go back and tell a younger Ryan, I'd have known that, like, I have, you know, when you're a poor kid and the rich kids show up, you know, they brag about how wealthy they are. You know, their dad's a billionaire. You see the stuff they have that you don't have, the houses they have, the vacations. And on Instagram, they're in the Hamptons and they're doing this and they're eating these lavish dinners. And they're letting you know that, you know, that they have a great dad. Um, and I got to tell you that I got the greatest dad in the history of dads. Like I got a dad who's created all the trillions of dollars and all the economy. And, and he's created the birds, uh, that, you know, that sing to us and the air that we breathe and the planets and the stars and the sun and the moon. And so I would just tell young Ryan to walk in the room, knowing that you have a dad of all dads, the greatest dad in the history of dads. And all of them can brag about their earthly dads, but you have a heavenly dad that's beyond all dads. Mm -hmm. And so I would just uh, walk with that poise uh, and not allowed society to bigot me and people to to label me as being ADD and being, you know, from a broken home and from an alcoholic mother and from a drug addicted father. I would have broken all of those labels cleanly because I have a father that is, you know, the purest father on the planet. And that's my heavenly father. Yep. Amen. And he's got a plan for all of us. Amen. Right? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. Man. So I always like to ask this Stop question, especially when it comes to very, very successful people. Uh, and, I, and I don't need you to answer it in the way that you think. I want you to answer it, okay? But uh, in your success, in your life, what has attributed to more of your success? What you know, the things inside your brain, the, the knowledge, the skills, or who you know, the people, the connections, the relationships, what has been more valuable to you in your personal success? Well, the, the very logical answer to that is, is who? Because manifestation has to come through other people. Like when I pray for money, it doesn't just show up. The God that I know doesn't just drop a bunch of gold in my house and say prayer answered, right? The God that I know has a person cross my path. Or the God that I know has a friend recommend a book or yes. you know, has, has me see a sign or see something that I need to learn. So, and, you know, so it's, it's, it's who you know. It's the mentors that I have known and that I proudly stand on the shoulders of that have led me to the wisdom that I have here today. And so I, I would say what I know is a small fraction of what I've obtained. Who I know is, is all that I've obtained because it's my customers who I know that have brought me the revenue. It's the investors who I know that have believed in me to be able to build my businesses. And it's the, the acquirers who I know that bought my companies that have led me to the exits that I've had. The readers who I know who have bought my books. You know, I, I could go on the pulpit here and preach to you about who you know all day long. Yes. It is absolutely who you know. <laughs> Let's go, Mike Drops. <laughs> All right. So speaking of who, you know, okay, I know that there's somebody that, you know, uh, that I think could add some value to this show. I would love, 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 uh, if you think that they would add value or that we could bring them value, uh, an introduction. Uh, there's a guy in your network. He was actually in your promo video. Uh, and I'm going to be bold. I'm just going to ask. Cause if you don't ask, you don't get right. So would you introduce me to Tony Robbins? I've been trying to, uh, to get connected with him for a long time, so I'm just going to ask you, man. i got to be bold, right? 
Yeah, uh, you know, Tony, Tony's, um, he's got a very systematic, so I'm not saying no, but we got to find, anytime you want to get a connection with this, you have to find a way to add uh, extreme value to the person. Exactly. You know? So Tony's got, um, you know, a, 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 a system around him to protect his time as, sure. as he needs to. And so we just have to basically, you know, uh, come up with an ask that penetrates that system. But the answer is we can get it done. It's just a matter of making sure that we do it appropriately. And also timing is important to these types of asks. So when Tony's uh, promoting a book, he's much more open to giving his time to mm. you know, shows and things like that. When he's writing the book, he's very closed off to this type of stuff. Speaking um, of books, you're, you have a new book. Yeah, I have, um, I've Rock Bottom to Rockstar that you mentioned, that which is my second book, but I have another book that I'm in the process of writing right now that's, you know, around what I've learned throughout my spiritual journey. So and it's a much more spiritual book. Yeah, and he's got and a documentary. documentary. You guys need out. to go check out his documentary. Uh, I do have one last question uh, for Alter Call. Is Alter Call hiring right now? It, what, what type of roles are, are you looking to fill, if so? And uh, yeah, because I mean, we've got a big old audience of folks that may be able to plug in with that. Uh, are you hiring and, and what type of roles? Yes, I am. I, I'm hiring. Um, you know, I, I have a small startup right now, so we, we add a couple people per month. So every single month we're adding people. And we're, you know, we're looking right now for roles primarily in our sales group. Um, we've been rounding out some of the operational roles very recently, but anybody that, you know, that, that would, um, love to work with helping people, you know, step into their highest self and people that really have a servant driven heart and that want to build a movement and build a cause. I'd love to hear from you. And if we're not hiring for that particular role right now, we might soon very well be, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to scale this business, you know, brick by brick. I don't have an exit in mind or an intention to try to sell it. This is going to be my, you know, my, my life's work. So God willing, I'll have another 40 plus years where I'll be active as an entrepreneur. And my goal is to spend the next 40 plus years building this into the impact that it's capable of and, you know, and seeing my message out into the world. And so if a person is really interested in building something that makes a great impact and it's a part of a movement and is willing to, you know, bring a tremendous amount of skill, experience, work ethic and heart to it, then I'm interested in hearing from you. Well, you heard it here. Who, you know, nation, uh, what's the best way for them to connect with those opportunities? Uh, is there a, uh, a website that they can go to or what, what's the best way for them to connect to it? The, the best way would be to reach out to me personally on Instagram. I'm oh. at real Ryan Blair. If you DM me, I'll engage with you and just let me know how you found me. Wow. And, uh, and we can pick up the conversation. Dang, now there. that's a mic drop for the audience. Love it. Just DM him on Instagram and he's going to talk to you. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. So many people won't do that these days, right? And so I, I think that's just amazing. Uh, guys, if we can do me a big, big favor in the audience, if you can take a screenshot right now, I want you to take a screenshot uh, of Ryan and I want you to post it all over social media. I want you to blow him up. I want you to tag him. I want you to let him know how much you appreciate him and how thankful we are at the Who You Know Nation for Ryan Blair. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate you. Thank you as well. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Who You Know Show podcast. 
My name is Trevor Houston, and if you've enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing wherever you listen and leave us a positive review to help us keep the mics on in the studio. Until next week, that's the show. It's all about who you know.